PowerPoint has totally changed the way that we communicate. Today we'll talk about its origins and its impact. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. All right, Dave, this week we're talking about a piece of software that pretty much all of us have had to interact with in some way, whether we're creating our own presentation or just watching one. We're talking about PowerPoint. PowerPoint has had such a huge impact on science, on education, on business presentations. I can't really imagine the world without it. You and I were both born in 1987. That's actually the same year that PowerPoint came out. But what was life like before PowerPoint? Well, folks were using slides and slide projectors. Yeah, you know, when we were in elementary school in the early 1990s, I still remember a lot of teachers using slide projectors, and I remember a lot of people using overhead transparencies as well. But there was actually a whole industry around slide production before we made the transition to digital slide presentations. That's the reason we still call them slides today. Now, people who are our age or younger, they might not be familiar with what slides were like. They were basically film. They were analog film that you had analog photographs that you would actually put into a projector, light would go through them and show them on the wall and you'd have a little remote or a button on the projector that would let you go forward from one analog photograph to the next. But how did you get the text and the graphics onto those little analog photographs? Well, that was a whole industry. There were companies that were involved in the printing. There were companies involved just making the graphics and the text look nice. And so what you'd have some kind of specification, this is what I want my slides to look like, and some professional artist would actually go and turn it into a nice slide. So there was a lot less control for you as a slide originator. You wouldn't actually be able to go and have the final presentation. You were just able to go and specify it. And maybe if you were a large company, you'd have an internal graphics department that might be doing publication work, but also working on making slides. And then it would go out to a specialized printer who would actually get those onto the photographs that then could be used to give the presentation. The whole process sounds pretty clunky and expensive. It was clunky and expensive, absolutely. And that's why it was really ripe for disruption. But interestingly, when the first programs came out for slides, first personal computer programs, they weren't about actually showing the presentations. They were about hooking into this existing infrastructure of slide presentations and just allowing you as the user to better create the graphics and text that would eventually get printed onto the slides. So no one imagined that you'd be using your computer to do the actual presenting. That's right. And a lot of computers at the time, we're talking about in the 80s mainly, did not actually have facilities for hooking up to projectors built in. There sometimes were third-party solutions, but it wasn't always easy. And of course, there weren't laptop computers like there were like there were in the 90s. So you didn't there were the first laptop computers, but they wouldn't have these kind of facilities, not a lot of people had them and they were very expensive. And so most people did not have a way of actually getting their computer hooked up to a projector. So of course, therefore, the slide programs were just helping you prepare text and graphics that would eventually go to the printer to be made onto the slides. They weren't actually for taking your computer and projecting the slides. So how did PowerPoint actually come to be? Who created it? So there was a startup company called Forethought. And they were interested in getting into this new market of graphical user interface applications. And we talked about what the GUI is, the graphical user interface, in a prior episode, and I'll link to that in the show notes. 
But this was a new market. The Macintosh had just come out in 1984, and Microsoft Windows 1.0 was coming out in 1985. And there were companies that were saying, you know, this is definitely the future. There's going to be a lot of GUI applications. And Forethought wanted to be at that new horizon. But they, their first efforts of building kind of an office suite uh, were, were not really going very well. And they had to actually lay off a lot of the team and bring in new management. And this startup company brought in a fellow named Robert Gaskins. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about going forward was actually in his memoir called Sweating Bullets, as well as the first developer of PowerPoint who created a smaller document called Beginnings of PowerPoint. And I'll link to both of those memoirs in the show notes if people want to check them out. But anyway, so Robert Gaskins comes to Forethought, and what they had actually transitioned to doing was being a publisher of software in 1985, a publisher of Macintosh software specifically. And the Macintosh market was just getting started, and one of their first products that they published is actually a product that's still around today called FileMaker that a lot of us are familiar with. It's a database application that's owned by Apple today. Anyway, so they had had a little bit of success with FileMaker, but they still wanted to um, get into the office space beyond just databases. And Robert Gaskin's father had actually worked in the audiovisual space, uh, somewhat tangentially related to slide presentations. And he himself, having a PhD and having worked as the head of a research laboratory, had done a lot of preparation of slide presentations, and he realized there must be a better way. And he was kind of the visionary behind the first version of PowerPoint. So what was the first version of PowerPoint like? So what was different about PowerPoint than the slide presentation programs that had come before it was that it used the graphical user interface of the Macintosh, and it really let you create slides in a WYSIWYG manner. Again, WYSIWYG is what you see is what you get, meaning that what it looked like on the screen was what it was eventually going to look like when you actually printed the slides. And you could also manage the whole presentation at once, which was different from the prior slide preparation programs. And there were quite a few of them for the IBM PC for DOS. And they were all mostly text-based programs where you really created just one slide at a time. And you didn't really see what the final version of the slide would look like before it would eventually get printed. So this was really revolutionary. It was the first time that people could really see what their presentations were going to look like on their computer before they actually got printed. Now, I notice I'm using the word printed again because even with this first version of PowerPoint that would eventually come out in 1987, it was not really used for actually showing the presentation. It was used for preparing the slides for the printer to actually make that you would then put into a projector. So that's interesting, right? It's hard to even think about and believe that that's what PowerPoint was originally used for. But yeah, it was used for making things that would be printed. I'm also just imagining what it's like to be making a presentation but not be able to see everything that see the whole thing through and really design it yourself, how even just being able to picture it and to make the slides how you want them to be to portray the message that you feel is important must be really powerful and also make it much more accessible to maybe a smaller business or smaller company that isn't going to have the graphics department or be able to hire an outside person to do all this work for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's amazing how many things we associate with slide presentations today that didn't exist before PowerPoint. And even in that first 1.0 version, they got a lot of things right that we're still with to this day that did not exist in the prior slide presentation software. And I'm going to just list a bunch of them that I think most of us are familiar with. Uh, One is the slide sorter. That's just the idea that you see those little thumbnails of all your slides and you're able to rearrange them. 
Somebody had to come up with that. There was no such <laughs> thing before PowerPoint 1.0 of actually being able to see your, all the slides in your presentation and reorganize them in a really compact and easy to drag and drop way. Another thing, the master slide. So just the idea that you have a basic template and layout for all of the slides, somebody actually had to come up with that. Um, and that, that term I know is controversial today. That is just the term that's used in PowerPoint. It's, it's called the master slide. Um, then another thing that, that's in PowerPoint is the idea of the notes page. That was there all the way back in PowerPoint 1.0. This is where you have these little notes that only you see that are attached to the slide. So when you printed it out from PowerPoint 1.0, you get a separate like set of notes that would go along with your presentation. So one last thing I wanna mention is just the whole idea of the slideshow itself that we're so used to today, which is where you do present it from PowerPoint. That was actually a feature incorporated into PowerPoint. It just wasn't its main use case at the beginning. So this idea that you press a button on your computer and then the slides that you had laid out actually get displayed full screen, that was invented by PowerPoint too. So PowerPoint had all of these features going all the way back to the beginning. And we, it's hard to believe today that even though there was a lot of slide production software before then, nobody had come up with these features, but a lot of them were really enabled by having a graphical user interface. And so if we had to say there was just one thing that was revolutionary about PowerPoint, it was that it made producing slide presentations a WYSIWYG procedure. So how do we go from people primarily using PowerPoint to print out or get their, get their slides printed to it being this big tool and the presentation itself, of the presentation itself? So the next thing that happens is Microsoft gets involved. So this is a startup company called Forethought. They had been publishing Macintosh software. And in fact, they even had gotten an investment from Apple. They were the first company to actually outside company to get an investment from Apple. So they were very tied into kind of the Macintosh ecosystem. But even the, they saw, even though they were so tied to the Macintosh, that the future was probably gonna be Windows. And so when Microsoft came knocking on the door, and by the way, they had thought about making the first version for Windows, but they didn't feel Microsoft Windows 1.0 was technically capable enough to actually produce this software for. And they felt the same way about Windows 2.0 as well. So it felt like Windows was just not sophisticated enough to be able to create the PowerPoint software, and so Forethought created it for the Macintosh. Mm -hmm. In fact, they first started prototyping it for Windows 1.0, and they felt they couldn't complete it. So anyway, Microsoft comes knocking at the door in 1987, shortly after PowerPoint 1.0 ships. And Microsoft is being quite successful with their own Macintosh applications, Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel. And so they were like, you know, what if we added this in as part of like this suite, which would eventually become Microsoft Office. Um, and so they actually purchased Forethought outright and they became Forethought uh, part of what became known as the Microsoft Graphics Business Unit. Eventually, um, PowerPoint would be one of three, four, and then eventually five different applications that are in that suite. But um, when they first get joined Microsoft, of course, they're still working on a Macintosh version. So they come out with PowerPoint 2.0 in 1988, and the big new features are color and the ability to hook up a modem. Oh, I, I didn't mention that, did I? No. PowerPoint 1.0 was all black and white because the original <laughs> Macintosh was all black and white. Okay. And so all the slides you produced with it were black and white. But anyway, then the Mac got color in 1987. And then in 1988, PowerPoint 2.0, after being purchased by Microsoft, comes out for the Mac with color. And it also comes out with the ability to use a modem, and not all computers had modems at the time, to dial into another company called Genie Graphics, which was spun out of G General Electric, GE. And they were one of these companies that did the printing of, um, 
of PowerPoint slides or of slides in general. And so what you could do is you could dial into them, send your PowerPoint presentation across the telephone network to them, and then they would print it out and mail you the slides. <laughs> Jeez. So that was a feature built in to PowerPoint 2.0. Well, you just have to hope that you're ahead of the game enough that your presentation isn't tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so this was still before the era where people were hooking up their computers to projectors. Uh -huh. Anyway, so then the big impetus at Microsoft is to port all of their applications, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, to Microsoft Windows. And so PowerPoint becomes a part of that. And PowerPoint finally comes out for Microsoft Windows in 1990, but it's just the 2.0 version of PowerPoint that had shipped on the Mac in 1988. So by the 1990s, what we have is we have PowerPoint out for both Macintosh and Windows, and once it comes out on Windows is when it really starts to take off, because of course Windows is the bigger market, and it becomes the dominant presentation software by 1992. And Windows is becoming more advanced with Windows 3.0 and then 3.1, and it's finally usable for sophisticated versions of PowerPoint. When did the shift happen of not just using it to send off um, to get slides printed, but to actually use it in, I guess, in real time to present? Right. So the slideshow feature had already been in there, but what people would generally use it for was just to preview what their slides would be like. Mm -hmm. What's changing in the early 1990s is laptops. So laptops are really becoming mainstream and also having output interfaces on computers and input interfaces on projectors for computers to hook up to projectors is also happening in the early 1990s. So by the early 1990s, we're starting to see PowerPoint used predominantly directly with projectors instead of just for printing out slides. So this is a case where hardware kind of had to catch up to software. Absolutely, hardware had to catch up to software and eventually companies like Gen Gen Graf Genie Graphics would no longer longer exist and unfortunately they would go away. Uh, so what would happen then with PowerPoint is it would continue to evolve with Windows and the Macintosh kind of took a secondary stance. New versions of PowerPoint would still come out from time to time. It wasn't until the last few years that they're back in lockstep with the Windows version and the Macintosh version pretty similar. Uh, but anyway, so PowerPoint became so dominant in the 1990s that it really replaced all other ways of giving presentations. And we now live in a world where you can't imagine most business presentations or academic presentations, for that matter, not being done with PowerPoint. Are there any criticisms or issues with PowerPoint? So a lot of people have criticized PowerPoint. PowerPoint became so common in the U.S. military that it became a point of contention where some generals feel like people are just putting things into bullet points in PowerPoint presentations. And we're assuming through this whole conversation that people know what PowerPoint presentations look like. So I don't need to tell people what a bullet is or um, what, what a, the general outline of a presentation looks like. But people are saying like it really has dumbed down a lot of communication. And that was one of the criticisms from within the U.S. military is that um, PowerPoint became so commonplace that people were more interested in putting things down into bullet points and saying them uh, assertively than they were in really conveying meaning in their presentations. And that by dumbing everything down into bullet points, we've lost a lot of meaning. Now, there's also been a lot of criticism about just how PowerPoint is used. So not only is it just the idea that we're putting things into presentations, but the type of presentations that we're making. A lot of people will just use the default templates in PowerPoint. There's not a lot of artistry, not a lot of thought that has to go into using those default presentations. How much are you really thinking about your ideas if you're just making them fit some default template? 
There's also been a lot of criticism that the presentations made with PowerPoint just lack a certain kind of pizzazz, a certain kind of engagement with the audience. And there's whole books about this. I recently read the book, The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. A lot of that book, and I'll link to it in the show notes, is about how can we go and make engaging presentations with slides. It talks a lot about slides, but you don't necessarily need to make slides the way that you've been always thinking about them. So for example, a lot of people use bullet points all over your slides, right? In that book, one of the things they talk about is not having almost any bullet points, just having really imagery and using your voice to convey the ideas that you would normally think about putting into bullet points and just having the major headlines within the slides. So there's been a lot of people attacking PowerPoint from a lot of different angles, but there's no question that everyone basically uses PowerPoint in one or one of its alternatives in one way or another when doing presentations today. I feel like PowerPoint has to adapt as our, or how we use it adapts as our workplaces adapt. Like for example, I just did a presentation through my work this week. I had to do it over video conferencing. And so while I had a slide a slide deck prepared, I had to go through it and think about, well, now I'm not standing in front of a room in front of this. Folks are looking at this in the same way that I am. How do I use this differently for this new way of communicating in this new work environment that we're in? Right. I think COVID has totally changed a little bit how we think about PowerPoint because in the past, when you were giving your PowerPoint presentation, you'd often be in the front of the room kind of walking back and forth and the, the eyes of the audience might be on the slides, but they also might be on you. Now in this COVID environment, people's eyes are totally on the slides, right? And so if people's eyes are totally on the slides, those slides need to be extra engaging. And I have to say that this book, The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, really made me rethink how I'm making my slides. And you don't have to use Apple's presentation software, Keynote, to get a lot out of this book. So I recommend it to anyone who's uh, thinking about how they can make their slides more engaging or that makes presentations regularly. But I think a big part of it is being visual and also using your voice and being passionate about what you're saying. PowerPoint is not an excuse to put the onus of conveying your ideas onto bullets. PowerPoint should instead be a supplement to what you're saying, uh, an additional bit of context to what you're saying through some nice images rather than the entire focus of your presentation. And people too much, unfortunately, use PowerPoint just as the entire presentation when really you should be the presentation and PowerPoint is helping you. It's a really powerful tool, um, but like any tool, it just depends on who's using it. And we've all seen the terrible presenters. I mean, there's basic stuff you can fix who have their bullets and they basically read them as they present. There's nothing worse than that, right? There's nothing worse than going to a bad presentation and having to sit there where somebody reads something that you've already read yourself because you saw it on the screen really, really quickly. Uh, we should actually be using less words in our PowerPoint presentations and more words coming out of our mouths uh, as much as possible compared to how people have used PowerPoint in the past, in my opinion. So there are alternatives to PowerPoint though. Absolutely. And those include uh, Apple software, which is Keynote, and the Google Suite software, which is Google Slides. Right. And these are pretty similar. Uh, they really follow the formula of PowerPoint, and so does most other presentation software today. So again, it's amazing how many things they got right back in PowerPoint 1.0 in 1987. And you know, I tried using the first version of PowerPoint kind of after reading that book by Robert Gaskins called Sweating Bullets, which again, I'll link to in the show notes. And it's amazing. You will totally find it familiar if you go and try it out. 
It is so similar to all the presentation software that we use today. So big kudos to both Robert Gaskins and also the original developer, Dennis Austin of PowerPoint. He was a software developer and Robert Gaskins was more of the visionary because they really got a lot right or at least a lot that really uh, got copied over the years. But if you use Google Slides, it has better collaboration capabilities. Uh, it has less total features than PowerPoint, but a lot of people when they're working with other people find it easier to work with them, although Microsoft's added those capabilities and so has Apple's Keynote recently for collaborating. Keynote, some people say, has some nicer design tools and also has some better built-in templates. I personally try to use Keynote as much as possible, but I will use PowerPoint or Google Slides depending on who I'm working with. But um, as a whole, there's not that much that's that different between the three of them. Uh, it's more about a preference and maybe design style for you and what your colleagues are using that really leads you one way or another. But uh, these principles that you can improve on with your PowerPoint that are explained in this book, The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, are really applicable to all of them. So again, if you're somebody who does PowerPoints regularly, I recommend the book. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us this week. We appreciate you joining us. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? So we're at Copec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. I want to remind everybody also to remember to leave us a review on your podcast player of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or even just putting that little star on Overcast next to the episode. It really does help other people find out about the show and get the word out there. So we really appreciate that. And we'll see you next week. Good luck on your presentations and thanks for listening.